Welcome to an incredible episode of the Improvement Podcast. One of my absolute favorites that we've done in the two years that we've been having these conversations. Today, we met a fascinating gentleman called Michael Gorton, who is based over in Dallas, Texas. He is a serial entrepreneur, a futurist, someone who is working on reversing the aging process to give us all an incredible quality of life and longer life and just it was just fascinating to explore thoughts around what's possible for us as human beings and um yeah we loved it there's a lot of energy in this um a lot of deep thought and challenging thinking sean lost his mind a little bit um so i hope you enjoy we're doing is we're building a um, 9,000 square meter map of the moon. So, you know, I've got a, what, two square meter map behind me, maybe not quite two square meters. And um, uh, so now try to imagine one that's 9,000 square meters. Um, And so it's a map, it's a map of the moon. And um, so, you know, on that map, we can have uh, virtual reality and augmented reality. So, you know, you can walk up to the place on that. It, it's, it's made out of concrete, so you can walk on it. Um, and uh, so you can walk up to the place where Neil and Buzz landed in 1969 and then use your smartphone and um, actually explore the landing site or get a selfie with, um, with you and Neil Armstrong or Buzz Aldrin. Um, you know, with the earth in the background on the moon. So, um, you know, we're, what we're doing is we're taking sort of the traditional stuff and making it pretty amazing by adding all the really cool new technology. And, and then at that facility, we have, this, um, we have this room where you can put on a virtual reality headset. And there's this new treadmill technology that goes 360 degrees. So what we'll do is um, we'll also have you put your weight in, say, um, say you weigh uh, uh, 60 kilograms. So on the moon, you would weigh 20 kilograms if you weigh 60 on earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, because the moon is what, so we put this vest on you, you punch in your weight and it pull, uses an upward mm-hmm. force. So you only weigh that 20 kilograms or actually 60 kilograms would be 10 kilograms on the moon. Sure. So, um, so then you have these things that you have to do with this, you know, these challenges and fun things you have to do. So um, anyway, you know, to me, that's a pretty exciting because it's a Guinness Book of World Records and um, mm-hmm. uh, it's a giant concrete slab. How do you paint something that big? It's never been done before. So we decided to invent a brand new kind of printer that roams around on this concrete surface and paints the image of the moon on the surface. <laughs> wow, <laughs> it sounds incredibly impressive to be honest. Um, I mean, the, the, the big question that you, when you said, well, we've created this 9,000 square meter surface of the moon, my big question was why? But obviously you've answered that now because it sounds incredible. <laughs> um, but I've, I've always been, I've, 
I've always been skeptical of the idea of virtual reality because what I've seen of virtual reality is things that I can do in real life. Um, yeah. For example, like um, there was a, there's a company based in Aberdeen here that built an oil rig in uh -huh. virtual reality and it made sense at the time but and you can just you can go to an oil rig. I, can, I can't go to the moon you know yeah that, that would be incredible yeah so um you know as a musician sean um mm. one thing i can tell you is we're gonna the, this thing is so big that you can have concerts on it right <laughs> and um you know somebody was asking me one of my investors was saying well you know with social distancing aren't you worried that people won't be able to come to this thing well it's so big that using social distancing, two meters um, on each, you know, two mm -hmm. meters of, of space, you can still have 700 people on it. Um, wow, that is big. <laughs> it's, it's that big. So, so, you know, we can have Sean Gordon and his band up there on the stage <laughs> on, playing on the moon. Um, and of course, you have to do that Sting song, you know, walking on the moon. No, of you know course. <laughs> Wow. What's this other thing that we could speak about then? So the other thing is, you know, I've, um, I'm always involved in healthcare. Okay. And the company that we built, Teladoc, is, is such a big deal right now. And what, it, what Teladoc accomplished was um, when, when, we, when I left Teladoc, we were delivering doctors to patients in under 12 minutes for $35. So that was, that was pretty extraordinary. That was on the patient side. On the doctor side, our doctors were making $100,000 more a year working half as many hours. And that was because of efficiency. You know, a doctor could be sitting at home like you guys are right now and not have to have all the expenses of a practice and just treating minor issues. So um, doctor efficiency went up, patient access and costs went down. And um, so to me, that's just the beginning. Um, I think now that we have engines for digital health, we should be able to do, deliver a true healthcare system. And so nobody understands health. It's kind of like, you know, you get in your car, you press a button, the engine starts and you steer, right? Nobody under, understands internal combustion engines and how gears turn and all that. All they do is they, they, they just know, you know, I do this and break and, and gas sure. and that's it and so in the healthcare world we need to build the same kind of correlation so that um if sean wants to gain weight and david wants to lose weight um the things that you have to eat are going to be different even um mm -hmm. even if both of you wanted to lose weight you may have to eat apples david and sean you may have to eat um uh steaks right and um and but we don't know those things about ourselves and we don't understand um the way our healthcare systems worldwide work um we don't know that we have cancer until we have symptoms that are stage three and and what we need to be able to do instead is have an engine that can catch anything early in the United States, I'm sure you do this in, in, uh, in Scotland right now, but in the United States, we have a saying that says, um, re related to age, that 60 is the new 40. Mm -hmm. You guys have a phrase like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So with, with all of the technology we have right now, 
we should actually be saying 100 is the new 40. We should be able to get people to 100 years old where they're as healthy as they were at 40. Um, and we, and uh, we do that with, with understanding the genetics of every individual um, and, and giving them the tools so they know when they need to exercise, when they need, need to eat celery, and when they need to eat you know, candy. Um, and uh, you know, we have the tools that can do that right now. And so I have a new company that's going out and buying companies that already have the little pieces of this. And um, we haven't publicly announced it yet. We're a few weeks away, but we're going to be announcing it soon. Cool. That's exciting. I mean, so, you know, just change the world stuff. Have fun. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Take people to the moon or, or make them healthy. I mean, it certainly provides a, a, a different outlook into what life will look like. Um, I mean, I've heard, I've heard this phrase of um, the person that will live to 150 has been born already. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. yeah, which is mind-blowing to me. Um, I can't imagine myself as 150. I can't even imagine myself as 100. Um, I don't think, I don't even think I want to get that old, you know? Well, so, yeah, because, Sean, what you're thinking about is, you know, what do people that you know look like when they're in their 80s and 90s? And you just think, I don't want to do that. Um, but what I'm talking about isn't just this decrepit old person that's, you know, trying to move along on their roller. You know, I'm talking about, you know, still being able to get on stage and play your guitar and then go run 10 kilometers um, and, um, and do that when you're 100 years old and not look like a wrinkled um, old person. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, actually, because I, I heard a story not long ago, um, in the last couple of weeks or so, there was a, a guy that ran the London Marathon. It was a virtual race, but um, he ran a marathon. He was 87. Uh, yeah. He's been doing it ever since the London Marathon started, uh, which is incredible. He's 87. Um, so yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, they are, the older people are becoming healthier in that sense, I guess. Um, but it's a case of how do we get there? So, so the thing that you need to understand is that we have the knowledge and we're developing the technology today. And um, in, the, in the world of biochemistry, we have either of you heard about telomeres yet? I can't say I have, no. Okay, so, um, you know, when, when you're young, uh, and, and so we're, now we're talking specifically about wrinkled skin. Um, okay. But, but if, you think about, if you think about every single organ in your body, it ages. You know, you imagine a really old tree and you can tell that it's really old. You see a really old person and you can tell that they're really old. And the question is why? When we're young, our cells uh, replicate. And so if you look at skin, you know, you can always tell young people's skin because it's smooth and, and it stays that way somewhere into their um, 30s. And then depending on your genetics, somewhere in your 30s or 40s, your skin stops replicating like it did when you were younger. And so essentially what's happening is it's aging. And so the sun and time is causing it to wrinkle up and, and not look as vibrant as it did when you were in your 20s, right? Um, there's the, what, what's happening is your cells divide uh, over and over and over again during your lifetime. 
but um, at the very end of your, of your DNA is this little cap and it's called a telomere. And every time your cells divide, it gets a little bit shorter. And as it gets shorter, it says, I have fewer and fewer duplications. And some place between 35 and 45 years old, it stops duplicating. Okay, okay. and that's the skin, that's the heart, that's the um, organs of your body that you, you're stuck with. And so how long are those going to last now? It's kind of like, you know, on your car, you replace your tires every, you know, whatever, uh, 10,000 kilometers or 50,000 kilometers or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But if, if you got stuck with those same tires, you can see they'd wear, 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 and then pretty soon, you know, they're going to blow out, which is essentially what your body does. Well, we now understand how that telomere gets shorter and shorter. And with rats, we figured out how to lengthen it again. Wow. So now you could be okay. 50 years old and already starting to wrinkle. And we've taken old rats and we've extended their telomeres and they've gotten young again. Not just their skin, but their organs, everything, because their body started doing what it did when you were younger, replacing those unhealthy cells, older cells. And so how far are we away from being able to do that with humans? Um, mm -hmm. And the, the answer is, we understand the question now. We understand the problem now. Mm -hmm. um, how can we get there? And so there are some experimental drugs that people are testing in humans right now. This seems, I mean, presum presumably you've come up against people that are thinking, why are you messing with the natural order of things? Um, you know, that, that has to be an objection to this because it sounds Well, look at that like... beautiful guitar behind you. There's no <laughs> natural order there. That's human intelligence. Yeah, absolutely. Right? That created that thing. And uh, both of them, I love both of those guitars. And so, you know, um, human intelligence is, you know, it's the thing, um, whether you want to be religious about it or scientific about it, mm -hmm. it is the thing that we have that allows us to modify our environment. And... Um, it's you know, but it, it sounds it sounds incredible, you know, and I'm I'm completely I'm kind of all for it to be honest. If we can figure out a way to lengthen our lives, but not only that, it's the quality of life that we would have, um, right? Then exactly then right. it sounds sounds incredible. I mean, I in a similar in a similar vein, I had this conversation actually with my mum um, about it because there was a news story that that said that we can now. Um, I, th I think I'm not 100% sure. Maybe you can correct me on this, but there there was an ability in order to choose things in your unborn baby, like for example their eye color and so on and so forth. Correct. Now that sounds creepy to me. You know that that sounds really quite. It's almost like a, a movie. It, sh it shouldn't be dystopian. Yeah, it really, sh we shouldn't be able to do things like that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it challenges what what we what we value and believe around what it means to be human well really. i guess but you you got you got to you got to look at the implication like the applications for that as well if you can choose an eye color surely you can potentially um cure potential like um diseases or um disabilities that kind of thing you could probably um improve them if not get then I yeah. get rid of them. But um, if if you if you've discovered that your unborn baby could then have problems later in life, then you can maybe maybe resolve that before birth. Mm -hmm. And again, that just sounds 
freaky to me. That doesn't even sound real. But well, except that, except that, you know, we're beginning to understand the mechanisms that that create that. And you know, most people will just say, um, I, you know, I want to just see what happens. But mm -hmm. but nowadays, you know, you have the ability to. Mm -hmm. uh, find out the gender of your child before the child is born. Yeah. And um, I have a daughter who had a baby two years ago and they didn't want to know. They just waited. Sure. And, you know, the rest of the family was, come on, we want to know. We want to know whether it's <laughs> like pink or blue. Of and, course. Uh, she said, no, I'll just wait. And so, uh, but, but generally we don't think poorly of that anymore. It's, it, and, mm -hmm. uh, and you can use a lot of the same technology today to, um, evaluate, are there going to be genetic defects? Um, uh, uh, but so that's one thing, the baby is already growing and mm -hmm. we can um, say, okay, all of its fingers, all of its toes, um, boy. Uh, but the next question is, can we tell if its eyes are gonna be blue or green? But yeah. the bigger question I think that you are getting to is, okay, Sean, you and your wife say, okay, let's have a baby. And I want it to be green eyes, uh, brown hair, um, six feet two boy, yeah. right? Yeah. And, um, and so, uh, um, it, and you could do that. Not yet, Oof. but it won't be long before you, be, before you can. See, that, that's, that's where it starts to get a little bit the, it, it, it all, for one of a better term, and I'm sorry for using this, but it almost feels like we're going back to World War II in that sense. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, um, uh, the, uh, well, one one is um, a very evil guy who murdered a lot of people, and the other one is mom and dad who go, you know, I want a child that looks like um, Aunt um, Aunt <laughs> Teresa. You know, it's basically, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if we if we can choose uh, the hair color, eye color, and the height of the kid, um, I mean, where where does it end at that point? You know, I mean, I mean that that was that was Hitler's vision, wasn't it? Long yeah. hair, blue eye, that that was it. Yeah. Um, I would have been yeah. fine. Just something that I I'm quite fascinated about that's that's linked to this is if we're if we're giving human beings the ability to to live a quality life for a longer period of time, I go to thinking about, well, what needs to change? And not mm -hmm. just in healthcare, I mean, in, in our economies, in, mm -hmm. in our culture, society, mm -hmm. because something quite radical would need to change. Because yeah. we've got people living for much, much longer. Mm -hmm. I mean, hopefully, I mean, there's a kind of there's a mental well-being side of that. At what point do do people stop working or contributing? Because you know, well-being is a big part of that. We need to, as human beings, we need to feel like we have a purpose that we're yeah. contributing. So, you know, for how long do people contribute, and in what way? Um, what is it that has to happen around our our main system in society, which is currently capitalism? Like for me, I think something needs to replace that. Something, 
something needs to come in that is going to enable the kind of change that's required. Something that's maybe a little bit more socialist or I don't know, but still maybe maintains an element of competition. Um, yeah. I don't know what you think about that, Michael. Well, um, think about the, um, the fact that you're, um, you're going to have the same level of energy that you had when you were 25, mm. but you're going to have the experience that you have when you're 90. Okay. And, um, you know, the, the reality is the things you might be able to do are, could be extraordinary. And, um, you know, the, uh, uh, or unbelievably evil, you know, um, uh, so Sean was just referring to Hitler who, um, you know, we didn't, we definitely wouldn't want a man like that to have the experience of a hundred years old and the energy of 25 with his evil ideas. Um, uh, but, but if we think about the good of humanity and the things that we can accomplish, um, you know, I started out talking about this wonderful lunar landscape with augmented reality and virtual reality. And, and what are the really cool things that we can do to entertain and educate and inspire people? Um, and they get even better as, as, you know, we maintain our creativity, we maintain our energy, but we have the experience of a hundred year old. And, um, and I think, you know, my tendency is to look at the positive side of humanity um, and, um, and see if we can't inspire out the negative side of humanity. Yeah. I mean, we're, you say we're, we're living to, you know, 100 years old and, um, with the energy of a 25-year-old, which is unbelievable to think about, really. I mean, I'm, I'm 29 and I'm... I'm starting to lose my energy from 25. I remember being 25. It was a simpler time. Um, there, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of the. I won't address the listeners in this one. Um, something called the blue zones um, that I learned about not long ago is it's basically a high capita of people that live over a hundred. Yes, um, but they all seem to have the same recipe um, for doing so, uh, which is a high carb, low protein diet. Yeah, which I thought was bizarre. Um, but basically, what what the the thing I'm getting to on this one is they seem to to live incredibly simple lives, um, and it all seems to be in areas where that's possible to do. Um, right. If we go to areas like in Japan and China um, and you know Mediterranean, for example, they're they've all got relatively simple lives and are able to do that because they've slowed down. But the they almost they almost hold on to their energy. But what we're now seeing is that energy will be there whether you exert it or not. Right. Well, so, but what, what we find is there's these little pockets of civilization where people live longer. And the scientists want to go and understand what is it that they're doing. They're still aging. So they're not doing the telomere um, reversal that I was talking about earlier. They just happen to have something in their diet that helps um, extend life. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is, um, you know, if you go and find those hundred-year-olds in, in these small communities, Sean, what you're going to see is the, the elderly, um, you know, maybe a maybe hundred is the new 
80 there. Um, but still, you know, they're not going to be able to get out on the on the uh, track and run 100 meters and and stay with you. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll be you'll be drinking your soda pop and halfway <laughs> done by the time they finish their 100 meter race. Sure. Um, but uh, but what I'm talking about is completely different. What I'm talking about is understanding the science of aging to the point where we can reverse it and um, and we're already doing that in lab rats, which means that at some point in the not too distant future, we'll be able to do it with humans. How far off would you say we are? As a parent, I think that would be amazing because giving yourself the ability to experience your lineage for longer, Mm -hmm. experience your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, at that age, great-great-grandchildren potentially. I mean, the choices that that would enable you to make in life even, I mean, it might mean that as we're able to become parents far later, so we can live a life, a full life before becoming a parent. Right. Before then making the choice to become a parent. Right. So we might have older parents. I mean, it's, it's, it's just... It's really interesting to think like what's possible and what might change. So with that kind of direct change, you know, the, um, it's a really good point you're making David, because, um, people, um, get into their twenties and they say, okay, I, I, I need to have children now because I don't want to be in my sixties or seventies with kids in elementary school. Right. But, um, you know, why not wait until you're 50 years old and you have the maturity and the understanding and the patience um, that you get with age um, so that you uh, now um, raising kids is less of an experiment and more of uh, a science. And um, the, the uh, uh, patience that you need, um, of course, you know, I just can't imagine changing diapers in my 80s. You know, that's not, that's not exactly, but, but, you know, maybe it's just one of the things you do to bond with those kids. But, um, you, you know, there's a, um, but you always hear stories about um, these um, rich old men who marry women in their 20s. And, and um, you think, you know, you can look at that two different ways. You can go, oh, such a lucky guy to have such a beautiful young woman. But, the, but now think of it in, in a world where you're 80, but you still have the body of a 25-year-old. And, and then some, uh, some uh, 20-year-old girl is not going to be interesting to somebody who's in his 90s. Why? Because she didn't listen to the same music. Um, she, you know, she doesn't have the same experience. She's not gonna be able to keep up with him mentally mm-hmm or physically. And, um, and so the world becomes a very different kind of place then as, um, uh, you know, we're in our 90s, but we look like we're in our 20s. And, um, you know, now you have to sort through what, how old are you? You don't remember Eddie Van Halen. Um, you don't remember uh, Benny Goodman. Um, but I saw Benny Goodman live, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, that you, would be you know what I'm saying? 
because I, I just started watching, um, my wife and I started watching a program on Amazon called, um, the, I think it's called The Guys. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's like the dark side of superheroes or it's superheroes with a dark side. Okay. Really interesting. We were, it's compelling, real uh, amazing action, pretty gory, but like one of the best shows, a really unique take on that, mm-hmm. on the whole genre of superhero. Uh-huh. And when you were speaking, I was starting to, you know, as we have been in this conversation, just wondering what's possible. And I, I, I feel like there's like a, there's like a, a TV program in this or, or even a documentary or something like, I feel like that, that might gives be. people a license to imagine what might, like I've, I've never, I don't think I've seen a story before where people are living to a hundred or don't remember seeing a story before or, or a bit of content where people are living that long and, but they have that energy and body of a younger person now. Mm-hmm, right. It'd be really interesting to see, you know, somebody's take on that and like what they would see is possible and how life might evolve mm-hmm. in that kind of world. Yeah. What do you think? Well, so a, l- a little while ago, Sean um, started to ask, um, when would this happen? And, um, and I don't know the exact answer, but I will tell you this. If, if you look at the, the lifespan of humanity, let's call it 35,000 years, you know, since, you know, the, the first um, uh, Homo sapiens and Neanderthal were on the earth at the same time, and, and somehow it got sorted out, so we're some blend of the two of them. Um, if you look at every single thing that mankind has created since 35,000 years ago to say 1960 and put it all in a box. Mm. Then you say, let's take everything from 1960 to now and put it in another box. So in one case we have 35,000 years and the other case we have 60 years, right? The one created in 1960 would be almost twice as big. So the amount of art, science, technology that we've created in the last 60 years is greater than the entire 35,000 years before us. So the world is changing at an unbelievable rate right now. And we're just accustomed to it. I mean, this, this supercomputer is more powerful than every single computer on earth added together when Neil and Buzz went to the moon. And I've got it in my pocket, right? (laughs) And, um, you know, my access to information and um, calculations is greater than the combined power of all scientists in 1969. It's, I mean, if you think about that, it just makes your brain want to blow up, right? Um, Yeah. So things are changing at a very, very fast rate. and and, And the rate is getting even faster. Yeah, I mean, I did, I did read, um, have that statistic actually, um, that, that you can launch the, the rocket that, that landed on the moon with your phone, um, which I think is insane, really. I mean, we, I don't think we should be allowed access to something that powerful, you know, when you really think about it. Um, yeah. Uh, but oh, it's, 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 it's absolutely Listen, incredible. John, in, your, in your lifetime, you will have the opportunity, and, and if, if, if you work and make money, the um the ability to go spend a weekend on the moon maybe mars 
um, you know, the, the, right now that's mind boggling, but, mm. but imagine if, if I had taken this back to, you know, 1970 and said, look at the things this, this, this device does. I mean, heck, our TV screens were only 240 dots across at the time. Who yeah. would want who would want a cell phone, you know, that does that? <laughs> um, uh, so, okay. You know, so my, my imagination is. isn't powerful enough to figure out what we're going to be doing in 15 years. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it, it can it can adapt and change as as time goes on. Um, I think it was I watched a video with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and he he we he got posed the question of, um, are you worried about robots rising up against us? Mm -hmm. um, and he categorically said no, because yeah. we control how it's made and we control the direction that they go. And I think that's, that's very important, especially for things like what, what you're talking about in the respect of uh, we can control this, the direction the science goes in terms of aging. Right. Because, well, uh, let me pose this question to you. Do you think there's going to be a point of success with it that we think we've gone too far um, in the respect of, you know, we, we, can, we can make people live much longer. We can give them a healthier and a better quality of life. But then we start to mess with things that we've already almost perfected, if you like, and we just just because we can. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does make sense. But you could you could wind the clock back a hundred years and ask the same question. You know, mm. um, you, you could say um, when the Wright brothers invented the airplane and people started to get in these devices, there were a lot of people who said man was not meant to fly. Um, it's true. And uh, but. Uh, here's here's a great little story. So if I say Neil and Buzz, you know who I'm talking about, Neil and yep. Buzz, um, yeah. in my college, right? Um, the night before, their, the last dinner they had before they went to the moon was with Charles Lindbergh. Okay. So Charles Lindbergh was the first guy to fly across the Atlantic. So the first two guys that went to the moon <laughs> had dinner the night before they went to the moon with the first guy who flew across the Atlantic. I mean, that think about that one. That's like hard to imagine because you can, you know, in the in the 70s and 80s, you could get on a supersonic flight and go from London to New York in what, three hours? Wow. So. <laughs> that, that, that is pretty incredible, actually. So it gives you an idea of how quickly things actually develop and, and move. Yeah. Uh, Something I was just thinking about was well, when you asked the question there, Sean, about taking things too far, like the, 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 the sort of question in my mind was well, in what context? Because if we think about, like I love, I don't know if you will um, have seen this um, guy before, but in the UK, um, there's a astrophysicist called Professor Brian Cox, and I love him. Yeah. He's yeah. like, have you heard of Sir David Attenborough? Yeah, yeah. of course. Or, or have you heard of Brian Cox? Yeah. Have you heard of him? Yes, yeah. I have. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So me and Sean actually went to see him uh, do a live show um, in Aberdeen. Was it last year? Um, oh, oh, yes. No. Wait a minute. <laughs> I don't remember. I think I it was remember. 2019. Yes. Yeah. 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 Very <laughs> inspiring. He, yeah, yeah. Incredible. Like the way he, he yeah. makes um, what, you, what he does super accessible and interesting. Mm. It's fascinating. And, uh -huh. and I kind of went to, went to Brian in that moment, thinking about, well, in the context of 
like the lifespan of the universe. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. human life, life has only existed in such a small proportion of yeah. the life of the universe. So yeah. what, how, how far is too far in that context? Because there is so much life, hopefully, yeah. to live. And yeah. just even in the life of our solar system, yeah. like imagine what could be seen and experienced mm -hmm. with the kinds of, you know, if we were to really unshackle the potential of, of human beings and life in general, like what's really possible? Yeah. Well, the, the thing I was, I was getting to is I, I, it's a conversation I have a lot with my dad, uh, He's very, very old school in that respect. And to be honest, I sort of agree with him as we mess with things that we shouldn't be messing with. Um, and you mentioned that David Attenborough there. 100% on that, that theme really is that the world is crumbling around us because we're destroying it. And it's because we are sort of messing with things that we probably should have just left alone. Uh, wildlife and so on and so forth. But in the same respect of if we can develop technology and things like that to to age us to the point of you know we're, we're 25 for the guts of a lifetime then that is something that we maybe should focus on you know so it's it's, it's sort of work, working a balance of what actually is what should mother nature take care of and what should we do i guess because well but so sean if you if if you think about it um it, take an extreme case. You know, in the United States, we have these um, creatures called locusts. I don't know if you have those there, but um, when they start when they start replicating, they become swarms of of insects that will destroy, um, you know, thousands of square kilometers of, mm -hmm. of crops, and and um, they're just they're they're terrible, right? Um, and so there's an example of mother nature getting out of control um mm -hmm. and uh, but humanity we have the power to destroy but we're also the only creature on this planet that's aware enough to look around us and say what are we doing how can we fix it and so mm -hmm. you know you can look on the negative side of humanity or you can look on the positive i prefer you know i stay happier when i look on the on the <laughs> on the positive side and say okay, you know, um, I like clean air and I think we need to find ways to have clean air and clean water. And, mm -hmm. you know, how do we make the earth pristine? And there's a lot of people that, that look at the world that way. Yeah. And, um, and we have the capability to make sure it happens. And so, you know, my, my advice to you is take the positive perspective because I think there are more humans who prefer a clean earth, who prefer um, an earth that is pristine than mm -hmm. those that would want to destroy it. Yeah. Well, Michael, you might have noticed that, that I'm the yin to Sean's yang. I'm, I'm the one in our relationship that is the positive. That, yep. That's the natural state for me. Sean is very much the pessimist. Yeah, yeah totally <laughs> cynical about a lot of things, to be honest, I am. Um, like I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm a huge fan of of nature, and to be honest, I think, I think, I don't, I don't want to tar it all with the same brush, if you like, but I think um, I'm a victim of um, the media filling yes. my head with negativity. Um, like you say, you choose to be on the positive side of things, but when I look at what what's been done with the world and what we're trying to do to to save it, 
um, and by the by the looks of things, we're we're failing pretty badly. But then, well, then yeah, you but, but um, you, do you have you seen pictures of London in the late eighteen hundreds? Yeah, <laughs> yes, it, it was horrible. Yeah. It was horrible, and 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 it's getting. I mean, it's getting cleaned up. London is a beautiful town now, and mm. um, and so the reality is we are making progress. We do well, understand that burning coal mm -hmm. uh, and putting that soot into the air is a bad thing. Exactly, and, um, exactly. But that's, that's the so thing, I mean, we don't spoke be, about- Don't be tricked by the um, people that are trying to sell newspapers and air time. No, not at all, not at all. But, but if we, I've, I've, heard, I've heard the, uh, the expression that we're, point of, we're past the point of no return to save it. Yeah. And I don't believe I don't, that one bit. That's that's just people that are extremists. It's not hundred percent, hundred percent. Because then, if we looked at, at um, what the cause of COVID happened, um, when, with everyone going into lockdown, I mean, I looked at pictures of like Venice, for example, and the water just became a hell of a lot clearer, and it only took yeah. three weeks. You know, so yeah. even even that is just a small example of what can be done if we really put our put our minds to it. So, yeah. well. I think yeah. with your thinking though, Sean, with the, with the idea of us as human beings living, you know, almost a hundred percent longer mm -hmm. is that what does that create in terms of population size and in terms of how we, the resources we need and the resources that we consume, it does then it does does population size increase, which puts more pressure on the planet and, and our resources, or do we all start to have less children, which means it all balances out? Well, that's a good like, question, actually. What what actually happens in a world where we're all living longer and have a qual more a greater quality of life? Because there's a great book. I don't know if you've ever come across this book before, Michael, called Factfulness. Mm -hmm. It was written by a Swedish health professor well, called Hans Rogers. There's a lot of space out there on the planet and off the planet. And, um, you know, right now we look up at the moon and, um, and we see an empty world. But in 150 years, um, Sean's um, children will look up at the moon and they'll see a... Um, a populated object orbiting around the earth and um, there'll be cities on the moon um, and that freaks me out you know that that does that that freaks me out quite and, heavily and listen to some people me saying that will go wow that would be so cool to look up and see the moon um, when the Sun isn't reflecting on it and you can see the lights of a, of, of a city on the moon New London or whatever it's called and um, <laughs> Uh, and other people would go, oh, that's the most horrible thing. The moon is so pristine and beautiful and peaceful right now. But you know, humanity is going to is going to um, is going to go there, and um, uh, it's what we do. And there, there's plenty of space for us to grow. And um, you know, will humans will populate the solar system in the next? 150 years. And by the way, Sean, earlier you said the first person who's going to live to 150 is alive right now, and I'll correct you on that. The first person who's going to decide how long they want to live is alive right now. Oh wow, this is um, you know, there's a there's a there's a very well known uh, futurist in the United States 
actually two of them. One is Ray Kurzweil and the other one is Peter Diamandis. And you can talk to them and they will tell you, you know, the, um, how the, the world is changing. And both, and uh, Ray Kurzweil, I, I wanna say he's in his 70s right now. And he wants to live to be 150, 200 years old. So what, basically what he's saying is he's trying to figure out how to build a bridge to the mm -hmm. point where, um, you know, maybe the solution is these telomeres that make us younger again. So he's trying to keep himself young enough so he can bridge himself to that point where, so he calls it a bridge to a bridge. And, okay. um, uh, but I guarantee you, Sean, your children will live in a world where they can decide how long they want to live. That is incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a bit mind blowing to me. I feel like we could probably talk talk all day on on <laughs> stuff like this, you know that because it really is absolutely mind blowing. Because uh, yeah. at what point do you do you call it a day? You know, <laughs> well, that's at, the like, thing. at what point <laughs> do you know? <laughs> like, how, you'd probably have to get to a point where just you're just all curiosity in you has died. And you're just not interested in learning anything new. And that's probably the point where you're like, right, I'm okay, I'm done. Now. You should I'm watch out. The Good Place. That's what you should watch, Dave. Yeah, but I don't think that happens. <laughs> I you know. know. I, I, if, if you're getting tired, that's one thing. But I'm talking about where we understand your physiology and um, so that you're not going to get tired. Um, you know, there, there will still be people who are sad because um, they lose a loved one in an accident or to a disease that we haven't figured out how to cure. That's still going to happen. Um, or but, maybe not. Or, or maybe not. Because uh, who knows? Do, do Native Americans, do they not? Um, I'm sure I heard this recently somewhere that there's a, there's a, there's a race of people on, on the earth right now who they they celebrate death because they, they, the way they look at it is that they celebrate the life that the person had. They celebrate the impact that that person made. So there isn't sadness there. There maybe is a sense of loss, but they, mm -hmm. their point of view is it's about celebration and, and not being sad. So I wonder if there's something for us to evolve into and, and being able to celebrate the lives that people had rather than mourning the loss of the fact that they're not here anymore. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Jesus. Honestly, it's so mind-blowing. <laughs> John, it's been a mind-blowing morning, right? Well, for you guys, it's afternoon, I guess. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it is. I'm, I, Dave, I feel like we've, we've still got tons to talk about. Um, I just, I love conversations like this. I love, yeah. you know, the person I've become, I think, I've been so... I've so embracing of possibility and potential now so anything mm -hmm. that a conversation that gets to explore that just it lights me up so this has been a real yeah one. yeah it's been a real treat actually um like i say there's so much more that we that we could probably talk about um in this in this kind of theme really um so what would what would like to do uh, michael if you've got time um at, at some point in the near future would love to talk to you again um, okay. And, and cover yeah, cover some some other other things because of the, like I say, there's so much more we need to do. Um, who knows that your your moon project might even be finished? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, the um, our our goal is to finish that in the spring. And so um, you know, for any of the listeners um, to your podcast that are um, interested in that thing, 
tell them to reach out to me, you know. Um, we'll do. Things get better the more people participate and help make it happen. Well, on and, that, actually, can you let us know how best that they can get in touch with you? Sure. Um, my email address, which I don't know if you can post on your um, on your. Uh, we can do if you yeah. if you want us to. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to do that. LinkedIn is a is is a great tool. I think we met through LinkedIn, probably yeah. right. Yeah, we did. And um, you know, it's uh, to me, and it's it's an extraordinary way of connecting like-minded people. And um, uh, so, you know, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll certainly put links to that in the show notes. I mean, like I say, there's there's so much more that we need to talk about. Um, and, and see where this yeah, we should go. talk about music too. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, they just they're intriguing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you need to get some guitars on your. <laughs> I know. Well, well, I'm a I'm a DJ. I've been a DJ for 18 years. So <laughs> I mean, I've not been able to really DJ, you know, because of lockdown, COVID. But, um, mm. but yeah, I've got a love for for music as well. So we share that passion. Hundred percent. Well, I you know I'm I'm thinking. Hopefully this whole COVID thing is about to end. I, um, I've been keeping an eye on what's happening over in Sweden. And, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the beginning we thought they were crazy and now it's starting to look like maybe they did it right. I mean, they're not wearing masks. They're out having, you know, mm -hmm. social time with each other and their death rate isn't worse than anybody's. And so they got to live their lives. And what did we do? um no. <laughs> yeah it's i don't know i mean we haven't really i don't think we've done this correctly um but i mean hopefully we can learn from the mistakes that well exactly i don't envy them for having to make the decision to be honest i don't really want to be put in that place but i you know there, there's, a, there's a great line and i'm not sure exactly where it comes from but the line is that the brave don't live forever but the cautious they don't live at all and so, you know, let's be the brave. I quite like that, actually. You know, <laughs> because we'll, you know, let's enjoy our lives. Awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm going to quote that on the episode. I think that's a beautiful note to end on. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I'm, I'm totally going to quote that on the episode. So keep an eye out for that one. But uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get chatting again in the near future. Um, but let's say anyone that's listening, if you want to get in touch with Michael, we'll fire his LinkedIn into the show notes so you can reach out to him um, directly. And yeah, I mean, I think it's a, that's, a, that's a hell of a way to end it. You know? So okay. I, want to th I want to thank you for coming on, right? I'll share sharing the, the wise words of the future. I know. Uh, how best to age it. <laughs> oh, this is the link between Texas right there <laughs> and the northern part of the uk it's um you know um you guys are from an extraordinary part of the world and so you know yeah, well i've not i've not made it over to texas um so i i i have i have wanted to actually i wanted to go to uh, a few different places there so uh, maybe one day Maybe one day I'll maybe come and see the moon thing. You should cool. you, you should come see the moon, and we can we can give you some barbecue like nothing you've ever eaten. Yes, <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like a trip. <laughs> it? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I'm I'm up for it. Okay, perfect. Well, again, I want to thank you for your time, Michael. It's it's been an absolute treat, um, and hopefully we can speak again in the future. All right. Brilliant. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, we'll take care. And thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, we will catch up with you next week. David and Sam. See ya. Okay.
Alright. Alright.